Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Moved in, I'm, I'm happy to say. That's uh, it's good. It seems like it was a multi-stage process, and this the last sta- the last stage is now complete, huh? Yeah, it was. I overall, it was relatively smooth. I think the tricky part was I did move my my office first, so I I had a separate office in a separate place than mm-hmm. than our previous house, which was which was quite small. And mm-hmm. now I'm back to having a straight up home office. So uh, so so I moved the office first, and then two weeks later moved we moved the rest of the house. Ah. And so that intervening two weeks was a little awkward. Uh, but but it's all done now. I I am home. I am in my office, which is which is nicely kind of separated from the rest of the house. It's actually an office. It's not a uh, it's not like a fourth bedroom or something like that. So it. It, there's a nice sort of delineation where now I'm I'm at work and and where's the rest of the time I'm at home. So hopefully hopefully it works out. It, working from home is is hard. It's harder than people think. But not, I mean, no one wants to hear about me complaining about working from home. So <laughs> so I will stop. Are the kids allowed? A, is there a boundary over which the kids aren't allowed cross, or it's not that heavily delineated? Yeah, my son has not quite figured out the like. <laughs> yes, Daddy's here, but he's not here. Uh, but but that's okay. Well, I I just need to I need to, I need to finish sooner. Finish earlier in the day. Very good. I did not finish earlier in the day on this week's weekly article, but I will explain why in a moment mm. after we thank uh, WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent. Whether you'd like to build a personal blog, a business site, or both, creating your website on WordPress.com helps others find you, remember you, and connect with you. And by the way, this is the unsolicited plug, but uh, WordPress has a service called Jetpack that – uh, if if you have your own WordPress blog that that which I do and I use, super good. They just announced this really cool thing around search, which is which is anyhow. Mm. I it's top of mind because I'm having a call about it uh, pretty soon. But anyhow, WordPress.com. I I'm a fan. You don't need experience. They guide you through the process from start to finish and take care of the technical side to get your site up and running. Their customer support team is made up of WordPress experts eager to help you get those from your site. And when are they available, James? 24 by 7. <laughs> plans start at just $4 per month, and all plans include a custom domain name for the life of the plan. Go to WordPress.com slash Exponent to get 15% off your website today. That's WordPress.com slash Exponent, and our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent. I'm normally very careful about not tuning out on this podcast, but you almost got me right then. I know. It was a delayed response. <laughs> So speaking of delay, uh, my, my, my daily update, or my weekly article, I should say. So I, I, I think everyone knows this, but just to be clear, uh, we got – actually, we got a question speaking of our mailbag, which we, we'll uh-huh. try to do another one at some point. We're not doing one today. But someone's like, I should probably read aggregation theory or I should probably read trajectory. Oh. I'm like, like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, yes, I know there are some people that just listen to podcasts. They don't read the site. Don't email me. I don't want to know. Like, just, just <laughs> honestly, spare my soul. Don't say maybe I'll read aggregation theory one day. It, I mean, I, it took me like I said I was cleaning house. And it was actually picking up my heart from little tiny shattered pieces all over the floor. I mean, so. it is a little cheeky to 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 go to the effort of writing out an email about aggregation theory as opposed to typing it into Google and reading it. I gotta say, <laughs> I know. Like, Anyhow. what are you expecting? A, a personalized version of aggregate, the, the pricey version. You know what, guys? We had a 15, like a 150 word version. We just didn't, we weren't going to publicize it. But since you emailed, here you go. Right. <laughs> a lot of people think I could I could stand to do a lot more 150 word versions. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyhow, I, I, and, well, part of the problem was so. It, so just just in case people don't know, I have weekly articles, I have daily updates, and the delineation between the two is a weekly article is what's published for free, and the daily updates is what's for pay. Uh, and generally, that that's the biggest distinction. I think the form tends to differ a bit. I mean, you, you're readers, so you probably know know just as well as, as I do. But the weekly update, our weekly article, is usually more sort of big picture, sort of. Um, principle based whereas the day update is usually more responsive to sort of news of the mm. day but that's that's a very soft line sometimes it varies and, and in this case uh the 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 weekly article I was writing ended up being kind of large and unwieldy so a part of it kind of sort of spilled over into Thursday which happens a lot when I write weekly articles but this week in particular I think we'll talk about both uh, and, and that's part of why it was so delayed like this 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 idea of the aggregators and their monopoly power and is it and how it's weird and different than other ones previously mm. we've talked about it before but to my mind the recent news from google is such a stark example of one of the core sort of paradoxes that that i couldn't help but sort of write about it again 
Yeah, I mean, this this reaches back to like one of the very first episodes, I think, of Exponent, where we started to realize, oh, hey, the difference between a world in which uh, supply is restricted in which uh, versus a world in which there's endless amounts of things and you have to figure a world of abundance, like this is going to require a very different lens through which to figure out how to deal with monopolies. It's It's just going to be completely different. Yeah, even the very idea of monopoly, you know, what's the what's the defense that Google always uses, right? Another search engine is just a quick away. And it, there's lots of reasons why and well, let's think about that. What what is the what are the reasons, what are the objections to that? I mean, I at a very sort of surface level, that's absolutely true. You can go to bing.com, you can go to, you know, uh what what's the one that that doesn't track you at all? Um no duck, duck, go. You duck, duck, go. Is that what it's called? .go? Yeah. Yeah, you go to .go.com, right? It, it, it really is just a click away. And, and and whereas you don't have a choice in, in a lot of places you don't have your choice in, in your internet provider or your phone service or, you know, the – or buying you, – you know, in monopolies throughout history, you really didn't have a choice. You didn't have the sort of click away sort of concept. Yeah, I mean, the basis of, of competition is, is different. So yes, you can go to another, I, you can go to another search provider. They're absolutely right. And the other search provider is going to be free because they have to be. But the basis of differentiation for something like search is very different than for something, uh, for, for something like gasoline, which was one of the things that keeps coming up because of standard oil like like gasoline the performance Ker- of kerosene kerosene, kerosene my bad yes. uh kerosene's performance is relatively fixed so the basis of competition was more on price that lever is taken away in something like search and then the the basis of competition is actually performance and then you get these uh these cycles these virtuous cycles that spin up once you get more people using it you attract more advertisers there's more money that they can plow back into improving search results as well as the data that they get from all the users and it gets better. So yes, you can you can go somewhere else, but in reality, if you're a supplier, you can't, re- unless you have a lot of resources, you can't stand up competition because to try and catch up to where these guys have got to is, is practically impossible. Right. And that's the really key sort of difference is, yes, it, the, the, it used to be that customers didn't have a choice. And the difference now is that customers do have a choice, but why would they ever choose anything else? Mm. It, it, and so the elimin- there's not so much an elimination of choice as there is a a elimination of – it's not an elimination of competition. It, it, it's the – inevitability of being the best and and you know google is the best because they have the most users and and it's not just they have the best technology but they also have the most users and so even if as we've talked about even if google had 51 percent share and bing had 49 percent share and they had the exact same technology mm-hmm. inevitably over time thanks to the sort of data feedback loop and, and the network effects that come from data like the the google engine would become better and you get and in fact google has 85 percent share and so obviously it's going to be better for core structural sort of data network feedback loop <laughs> reasons, leaving aside the sort of technical acumen and whether the best search engineers are at Google or what, whether they're somewhere else, you know, hint they're at Google. And, and, and so, but, but, but that leads to a further sort of fundamental question, which is, wait, so we're upset because customers are getting a superior product? Like, th- th- that's the weird, it's such a weird sort of way to phrase it when you phrase it that way. Yeah, it's interesting. It's actually reminding me of a question that we got asked that didn't come up in the mailbag. I'm going to even mention this person's name because we got a complaint from someone that we mentioned a question and didn't mention their name. But Aruna Senevranate asked about what happens when two aggregators drive themselves broke trying to win market share. And I, I just shot back a quick response like that's not the way it's going to work because eventually someone's going to come out dominant. Like one person can no longer compete because like you say, 51-49 ends up being that the 51, that's enough of a balance being tipped to them, all other things being equal that they end up storming off and taking the entire market it just it it it, like it's this winner take all effect the likes of which we've never seen before but your questions is a fantastic one should we be getting upset that customers are getting this phenomenal experience i i 
I think you know the answer to the question, at least from my perspective, is yes, because you are stifling competition and it starts to spill over into other markets like we've talked about. Um, for, for example, what Google did to Yelp is a great example of where it's like these, these have bad effects as a result. And that's why I thought it was interesting was there was an article in the New York Times this week, the, the case against Google. And what was interesting about that article is basically the case ended up not being not getting into the issues of Yelp, not getting into the, the, the like it mentioned them in passing, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think the most, you know, like basically scraping Yelp for all intents and purposes, taking Yelp's data and presenting yeah. it as an answer as opposed to sending people to the Yelp page, I, I think was 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 very problematic and it should have brought action. The fact that mm-hmm. Google is getting nailed in the U for basically a glorified advertising service and not for th- that activity is is weird to me. It's like this is co- a company that has been abusive. Like, why aren't we actually addressing the biggest abuse mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to you know sort of like getting into how they do or do not make money and to the extent that that is anti-competitive. I mean, at some point, you got to let a company make money, right? Anyhow, yeah, we're not going to relitigate that, but yeah. it's not because the whole point of my objection there is not that Google hasn't been a bad actor. It's that really, this is where we're going to, this is where we're going to mm. focus our, focus our attention. Yeah. But, but the, and so I agree, but, but what's interesting about this article is it didn't get into that. Basically the takeaway from the article was, was that, oh, Google uh, Google should be sued for antitrust because suing big companies for antitrust is pushes the industry forward. And the and the sort of key point was the author was arguing that if Microsoft hadn't been sued for antitrust, then Google would have been smushed and there would be no Google today. And similarly, Google is holding back the next sort of uh, the next sort of breakthrough, and so we should sue them so that that breakthrough can 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 come out. I mean, that's a very bastardized sort of summarization, but I think you know get, definitely gets to the main point. Yeah, I, and I think you raised some phenomenal points in terms of like countering that. I, I mean, obviously, when you make a case like this, there's never a counterfactual, so you never. You never know this for sure. And you read this article prima facie and it actually is, oh yeah, I can see this. Like I can see why this is compelling. Like, yeah, maybe we wouldn't have Google, like all these people from Microsoft and whatever saying, oh yeah, we like, we backed off the gas because of all this government action. But I think you make some excellent points as to why you shouldn't necessarily take this at face value. So what's so interesting though, is I think there is a counterfactual. Huh. So let, let, let's the argument is, and we'll link to the article in the show notes. And, and this, I'm not misrepresenting. This is the crux. This is the crux of the argument: is that Microsoft by was restrained by the antitrust action. Either the antitrust action was ultimately turned over on, on appeal, and Microsoft got up with a slap on the wrist and a, this weak agreement that it was still effective because it restrained Microsoft from like crushing Google, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. cradle, as it were. Mm. And and as you mentioned, what is the counterfactual? What if Microsoft had not been restrained? Well, you know what Microsoft was not restrained in at all was in competing in mobile. Like Microsoft, there was nothing in the antitrust action that would have restricted Microsoft's actions when it came to to mobile. Yes, there were some things in the lawsuit about a lot of actually arguably the core of the case with their dealing with OEMs. But by and large, they lost mobile because they were just as a company – they had two issues. One, from a business model perspective, they were completely married to the idea of licensing the OS. Mm-hmm. And they could not envision a mobile model that did not entail them licensing the operating system. So they had a business model. And what, what ended up being the model? It was either you sell an integrated device or mm-hmm. you give the operating system away for free and you make money on services, right? The, the, the Google and Apple models. And yeah. they, they, they couldn't envision either. So they had a business model problem. And two, they had a cultural problem. They could not envision a world where Windows was not the center of everything. So they built their entire mobile approach with the presumption of a PC mm-hmm. and not not just the UI where they literally mimic the PC UI but everything all the interactions everything about it pres- presumed that a PC would always be there because their world was so PC centric yeah they were incented to view the world through the lens of their most successful product like it, I this reaches back to where were we episode 50 or 60 where we talked about the blessing of failure and and why how Apple ended up, well, fell into something of the same trap by trying to take the operating system, the the iPhone operating system and drop it straight into the watch and how they might have missed the the home devices like Amazon's Echo, how it's done so well. Like you get so good at one paradigm and you become so successful in that paradigm, you can't see the world except through the lens of that paradigm. 
Yeah, and, and you, it's not just a you again. It's UI, and it's also a business model. Like you're just yeah, stuck absolutely. in a certain way of thinking. And and this is the history of business. This is the way businesses fail. This is the story of disruption. Is you get stuck in your way of viewing the world, mm-hmm. and it's not just like a mental problem. It's a business model problem. It's a cultural problem. We talked about the idea of culture last week. That it's mm-hmm. it's where the entire organization makes decisions in a certain way because that's the way that's been successful, and how that ends up being a straitjacket as you're drowning. And and yeah. and again. Every, this happens to every company. It is it is undefeated in the long run, and it happened to Microsoft in terms of mobile. They missed mobile not because they didn't know mobile was a thing. Microsoft was very early to mobile, like Windows Mobile came out in 1998 or something like that. Mm. Like they were they were the er- earlier than anyone. But why did they quote unquote miss it? They missed it because they couldn't understand it because they were so constrained by their previous view of the world. So we have an example on one side. We do it. This is the counterfactual. What happened in a world where Microsoft was not constrained by antitrust? They couldn't be a big, bad bully. They were early. They were already in the field. Guess what? They failed completely because their organization was just unsuited for a new paradigm. This happens again and again. Paradigms shift. Assumptions change. Companies can't because they're locked into where they were. Parallel's pretty clear here. And actually, given the amount that we've talked about it, thinking about that as a counterfactual makes complete sense. Right, because that's what would have happened in search. That's what did happen in search. Like Microsoft, yes, they could have had the idea for search. MSN search existed. It's not like the concept of search mm. wasn't new. But Microsoft's entire worldview was predicated on search in the context of Windows. This idea where we've talked about it previously, like the fundamental insight of PageRank, like the technology at the heart of Google, is to look at the links between things. And and it ended up being that at the internet exploding in size not only like drowned the competing search engines because they it was just too much information for them to handle it also actually made google better because google actually wasn't about the information on all these new pages it was about the interconnection the relationships between all these pages and it followed that the more interconnection relations that there were the more intelligent and smart google became and this was such a fundamentally different way of thinking about information mm-hmm. as organization it was and it was about being we've talked about google's google is predicated on the internet being open and so many of the things they do strategically is about maintaining openness now this isn't about them internally necessarily being open, but the idea of like Android being totally open source and free, that fits perfectly with Google's modus operandi because they want more information. They want to be widely, freely accessible because if everything is free and open and accessible, then the best technology wins. And Google is really, really good at technology. They're not so good at you know the marketing and the go to market and the funnels and all this sort of like worming their way into different sorts of things. Yeah. They want it to be open, 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 so that they can bring their technology to bear. Microsoft is the opposite. Microsoft's entire business is predicated on putting up barriers, putting up walls, putting up compatibility layers. There's this incredible article written about the Daily Update from a former head of Office talking about how Office decided to respond to Google Docs because it was clearly mm. a threat, and how they they how their ultimate decision was to leverage. The the complexity of the Word format and the Excel format <laughs> so that their online documents w- w- would b- basically build a barrier. Yes, Google would get their share, but eventually Google would have a choice. Either they would have to match the complexity or they would have to always be, relatively speaking, underfeatured and Microsoft could bang them over the head with it. And and it's a fascinating article because, one, we got that question I mentioned a few weeks ago about, like, are these companies really that complex about strategy? They are really complex about strategy. Like, it's a fascinating story. and You will understand, like, how these companies think about this sort of stuff, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, it worked. Office 365 is doing extremely well. It's taking share away from Google. It has for several years now. But then number three, like, that's the way Microsoft operates. Microsoft revels in complexity. They revel in lock-in. They had an entire business model that's predicated on, oh, you want this one new feature? Guess what? Now you have to upgrade your Windows Server instance. You have to mm-hmm. upgrade your Windows Server instance. Upgrade your exchange. You have to upgrade your exchange. You have to upgrade all this. They had this lever system where you companies ended up paying more and more constantly over time. That's the way enterprise software works. You think that sort of company with that sort of mindset and that sort of business model, that sort of culture is going to create a search engine that can compete with Google? It's absurd. Yeah, I mean, 
to, you think back to when Google launched, and it's probably changed a little bit since then. But the thing that was so noticeable was how clean it was versus how messy all those other search engines were at the time. There was there was crap all over the homepage, and this was just simplicity. It was a it was a logo, a box, and two buttons. And then and then the other thing, like to your point about business models, they couldn't respond to like they couldn't respond on mobile because they were being attacked orthogonally. Like when all you see is a world in which you make money on licenses the idea of giving the software away for free uh, in order to then perhaps control the user so you refer uh, you refer users to your search engine so you can make money on on advertising yeah they're sophisticated in terms of their strategy but that they are they are blind in terms of like thinking about making money in ways that are just like so foreign to them and that is that would have been a very foreign leap for someone at Microsoft to have made like running around in the early 2000s saying let's give away the operating system for the phone for free that person probably would have been shot yeah, and well, not not just that, but but the people are like, oh well, Microsoft, you know, Internet Explorer is dominating the market. Microsoft could have just blocked Google. Like mm-hmm. one, I would have liked to have seen how that would have gone down. I'm suspicious they would have pulled off. And they are, they tried to pull something called smart tags around the same time where they would automatically add links to stuff that contextual information. Um, and it like that was just blown out of the water. Perhaps to be fair, perhaps in part because of the atmosphere surrounding Microsoft with the antitrust trial. But one, let's see them try. Two. Even if they had tried, the nature of Windows is such that, like, at the end of the day, you can run, you can build any application you want on top of it, right? I mean, part of the reason why it's always such a security disaster is because there really are no mm. limits on what you can do. And, and, and Google is so good and it was so superior that I absolutely believe that Google would have inspired people to go back to Netscape, to get a different browser, to do whatever it took to get to Google because it was it's the only way to use the internet. It really, really is. And again, I would use mobile as, a, as an example of this. Apple got people to switch their carriers. Everyone said that couldn't be done. People aren't going to switch carriers. They'll never switch carriers. It's too difficult. Oh, Apple's screwed going on one carrier. Guess what? Apple leverages in country after country where if your, if your experience is good enough, if your product is good enough, people will go through the very difficult hard work of switching to get that better experience. You cannot you cannot overestimate the power and the importance of having a user experience that is so clearly better and to think that people would just stupidly keep using Internet Explorer because it blocked Google and using an inferior search engine, it doesn't make any sense. And this entire sort of idea, Microsoft has done anything to stop Google, to me is just it doesn't ring true with any sort of technology history or business history. So um – I can hear the words of at least a couple of listeners and I want to put it out there. We've talked about the power of defaults and you don't think that the defaults of, say, Internet Explorer defaulting to the MSN search engine or defaulting to a different search engine, that there, there wasn't enough friction there to protect uh, to protect would have been enough uh, friction there to protect Microsoft in terms of like stopping Google rising as a threat. You know, the power of defaults is a real thing, but it's not. It's like a there are exceptions that that prove the rule. If I can can use mm-hmm. this thing, and again, this is where I'm. This is what I meant with the sort of Apple, uh, the the iPhone example. The default is to stick with your carrier, and it, and it actually become accepted wisdom in mobile that people would never switch carriers, and mm-hmm. and so the, the like that proved it wrong. Why? Because if you have you can overcome defaults, but the experience has to be vastly better. And my contention is that. Google's experience was vastly better. Whatever barriers Microsoft might have put in the way, had they not been, quote unquote, constrained by the antitrust lawsuit, I absolutely believe Google would have overcome them and people would have gone to the effort to figure out how they could use Google because it was that much better. And and it, and there's nothing in Microsoft – it just wasn't in their nature to build something that was remotely competitive. And again, this isn't a Microsoft criticism. This is a looking at the history of all kinds of business and what happens when you are massively successful in one area. And the fact that that actually doesn't just make you, it's not just that you're, you're reduced to zero competing against a new challenger. You're actually starting massively in the hole such that Mm. you almost can't get out because your incentives and structure and everything, the way you think about the world is just all wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I obviously agree. I'm going to try one last attempt to. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate um, you. I appreciate you throwing yourself on the. Uh, I mean, it's it's part of the fun of this. But like the example that comes to mind is actually not uh, the iPhone and getting people to switch carriers because that was clearly a vastly, vastly different experience and paradigm shifting almost. But like, but that the was one that, that I, was Google. Like that. I mean, I mean, think I, back. I mean, when when Google showed up, I can still remember. Like, I. I being in my dorm room and trying it for the first time. And it, it was, it really was that much better. It was a sea change it, 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 relative to the competition. I mean, I, I would say the difference is actually pretty similar to Google Maps and Apple Maps. And yet, Apple Maps has managed to do pretty well, no, all things considered. I, 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 I disagree. <laughs> I, just, I just had, no, I just had this big debate in a Slack group about Apple Maps. And I think people pretending that it's even close to Google Maps are, are ridiculous. But uh, in part because you have to think about Google Maps, it's not just turn-by-turn directions, which Google Maps oh, is still better at. But it, it's like local search. All the stuff. And yeah, it's like... It's, we're, Street view and all search. those things. Yeah, I- anyhow. But that said, I would argue Apple Maps is vastly closer to Google Maps than competing search engines were to Google mm-hmm. in, in 1999 or whenever it was that I first yeah. tried it. I mean, I would tend to agree. I was I was doing my best for devil's advocacy. Well, there, well, well they, thank you. The, those who disagree with me, uh, I would say they appreciate your efforts, but they're probably now more mad at you than at me. <laughs> oh, well. You should have uh, done better, hate mail roll in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and, and yeah, the, the the point you know so that's a problem for this article is because that's the core point is that without Mike with without the antitrust trial there's no Google and I just think I I don't buy that at all like the new companies and new giants come along because of paradigm shifts like that's what drives them and Google is a child of the internet it is it, it, the paradigm shift of the internet is what produced Google the paradigm shift of the PC is what produced Microsoft the paradigm of of mobile is what produced Apple a- and the in figuring out what's next like yeah. and, and so is about paradigm shifts now that doesn't mean that Google isn't a bad actor to be clear but like to, to my mind these issues like Yelp for example like sorry Yelp but it's kind of like a it's a if the question is like innovation and the future, it's really nibbling around the edges. It's really sort of sustaining, like the, the disruptive talks about like sustaining technology versus like disruptive technology. Mm-hmm. And I think that who does a better vertical search, as it were, that's a question about like that is really nibbling on the edges on the margins of improvement. It's sustaining sort of technology. Whereas, and so you can say, yes, Google shouldn't act that way and they should have antitrust because they're behaving badly towards these competitors. And that's very fair. And I think probably true, but I think there is a sharp line between those competitors and the next Google which will not be a direct Google competitor a la Yelp. It will be something completely different based on a completely new paradigm. I mean, I I agree and I really want to I want to get into um do we think it's different now versus different in the past because the nature of distribution through the internet has changed and whether these giants now have a tighter grip on distribution than was possible in the past such that 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 the control that a, a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon has looks different to what a Microsoft has like all the all the elements of aggregation theory maybe it does maybe it doesn't I want to get into get get into it with you but yeah, but like I, I don't know. I I feel like you're you're. There are a lot of people who have innovated, and yeah, I agree. Not disruptive, sustaining vertical vertical search. It's not like the next paradigm, but we are like that. There's there's real value. I remember, and I think it was mentioned in this article. I remember the early versions of Frugal trying to do product search, and it was terrible. Vertical search has been a is is like a. Fin- was it this article that it started yeah, off? To- no, you're, yeah, you're yeah. right, and, and I no, and I agree with you. Like, I, my only point here, it, I think, what was frustrating about this article is it conflated two things. It conflated like other types of search engines and competitors to Google with like the next the next yeah. disruptive innovation. Yeah, and yeah, it's like okay. we should stop Google because it will that will enable the next disruptive paradigm like a Yelp. And like, no, wait, 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 wait no, like Yelp is a is a local search engine. Like if you want to really just, I mean, it's a recommendation, all those sort of stuff, but you get, Mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying. It's a vertical search engine. And my point is, I actually agree that in this area, Google has behaved badly and, and deserves this, whatever sort of comeuppance is coming in that area. Like, like I, I tend to agree with that again. I have, I'm a little, 
am a little iffy with the technical details of the shopping one specifically because it's an mm. ad and just like uh, sure, sure. More, but, but but by and large i agree it's a problem here what i disagree with and what I dis- the reason why I ultimately disagree with this article is none of those examples are paradigm shifters. They're not yeah, yeah, the next yeah. big thing. And I, I don't think that antitrust action – I actually – and people disagree with me, but no. I don't think that is necessary to unleash the next paradigm as it were. Yeah. I mean I think the the distinction that you just made then, it, like the 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 – the clouds just parted for me in terms of what you're saying. Like that now makes a lot more sense. And it's much easier to have a, uh, a rational informed argument about, uh, about this topic because they're two separate things. And I agree. Like this is, this is like what Microsoft did to effectively Mac OS and crushing an equivalent, com- like a crushing a competitor doing very much the same or similar things versus Microsoft's ability to stifle the thing that comes next. And yes, I think exactly. we, we both completely disagree. We like disagree with the idea that a company should be able to stifle whatever comes next. And maybe there's reasonable disagreement that can be had around what, like the extent to which competition should happen between things that are similar or effectively the same. Well, well, but my argument is I I actually, I, I don't think that the dominant player in a current paradigm can even prevent the next paradigm. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's mm-hmm. what that's what we've had this discussion where I like yeah. I, I've defined like true disruption, and my mm-hmm. argument has always been that quote unquote true disruption is you can't. There's nothing you can do about it. Like you're just screwed because everything about your business and company works against what you need to do. There's no starting a little division off to the mm-hmm. side. There's no connection. No, <laughs> if you are actually facing a disruptive business model with a fundamentally different incentive structure, fundamentally different uh, business model, fundamentally different product approach, fundamentally different value proposition, you're screwed. Like there's nothing you can do out. Microsoft was screwed in mobile and they were screwed in search. And that was, it was inevitable just as, you know, the IBM was screwed when the PC came along. Like they, they were so married to the way to the business model and the selling mm. motion and everything around mainframes that th- they tried to apply the same thinking to the PC. And like, oh, as long as we control the PC, the BIOS chip, whatever software, who cares? Like on the mainframe, we still control hardware. We we, we open mm-hmm. up software and we still have good control. And they totally missed the boat, utterly missed the boat. And and everyone looked back. Oh, that was so stupid. It wasn't. It was stupid, but it was 100% predictable. This is exactly what happens. Mm. So, I mean, I guess this is the answer to the earlier question that I posed. Like, the nature of distribution has changed with the internet. Like, Facebook... Google, they're not Microsoft, they're not Apple, like they are much more, they're digital native companies where neither Microsoft nor Apple, I would, well, Microsoft perhaps digital native, but it's certainly not internet native. It was born in an in an era well before the internet. Has enough changed? Have these companies, are they now that much better managed? Are they now more aware of disruption uh, such that they, the, the hold they have on the customer, the flip of supply to demand is that putting them in a position now where actually they might be able to stop the next paradigm emerging or a competitor uh, t- that would create the next paradigm stop that from emerging just by virtue of their hold on the customer? And I'm, if I'm hearing you, like based on what you just said about disruption, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, I think they can eliminate all competitors to themselves. That are mm-hmm. operating in the same paradigm, and we see Facebook just you know wiping the floor with Snapchat, mm-hmm. and then coming back a week later wiping the floor with them again just for fun, I, I, or or Google against its various competitors, and and, mm. and yes, and some of the, what they're doing is probably illegal, and and by all means, like let's hold them to account, and yes, it'd be good to have more innovation around search and more different vertical search engines. That sounds great, but let's be clear, we're nibbling at the margins here. This isn't none of these companies that are suing Google are are inspiring are bringing up the next paradigm. They're not the next Apple or the or the next you know whatever it might be. You mentioned what the this isn't the next Google or like competing with Microsoft, but it was it actually was a company that Microsoft wiped from an antitrust perspective that ended up being the thing. The, the company that created the next paradigm, which was Apple. And it might not have been in search, it was in mobile. And 
and that's the thing. If they had completely managed to wipe out Apple, would the would the would iOS, would the iPhone, and then Android, would that have all emerged? It's like I actually think that's a standing question. And the reason that that I think Microsoft backed off in its attack on Apple is because of all the antitrust stuff. That's why they. It's part of at least part of the reason why they invested in Apple and why they continue to release Office on the Mac. And without those two things, Apple might not have. Apple might not have made it through. Yeah, I I tend to reject the sort of like great man of history, or in this case, great company of history sort of view of the world that mm. but for this one person or but for this one company, like, yeah, this would I know. Happen. I, I I think that smartphones were inevitability. Maybe Apple by in Steve Jobs and his genius, and all that brought what the smartphone was meant to be to market sooner than it might have otherwise. Maybe today we'd still, at some point, some would have figured out, actually, we should just take the keyboard off and make it all touch. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, it, it, it's, yes, it's, no, it's very easy to look back and say, oh, it's so obvious it should be this way. It, was, it wasn't obvious. Like, yeah. I'm not at all taking away credit from what an incredible conceptual breakthrough the first iPhone was. Mm-hmm. However, I... Don't think that absent Apple, yeah. that we would have never had smartphones that went on to completely disrupt these PCs. No, no, no. I, I think that's fair. It, it, it was a point I wanted to bring up just because in the specifics, like you're saying, like, sorry, Yelp, you're not the next. Th-. But you you don't. And probably not. But you just I never know. And- yeah. And Apple is, Apple is such a unique company. This is why Apple, you know, gets so much affection and, and justifiably so. Like, the why did Apple even survive? I mean, yes, Microsoft played a part in keeping Apple alive. That's absolutely true. But also Apple just had a hardcore set of users that mm-hmm. appreciated that they were approaching computing differently than everybody else was. And yeah. and that that was and always has been unique and, and is why people have and always will love Apple and is why the iPhone could push people to switch carriers. You know, I mean, like all mm-hmm. this stuff is tied together without question. Uh, and, and yes, certainly our world may look different in the details in particular had Apple had Apple gone away. But you know, those people still would have been alive. I still, something would have come along. Maybe it would look slightly different, but I still think we'd be in the same place 2018 I, where I tend to agree. Like this, all these interesting examples where innovations spring up in multiple places on the opposite side of the world at the same time, even going back through history. So I right. would tend to agree. So, yeah, and you think about what's going forward. I mean, the reason why people are so excited about cryptocurrencies, and I also wrote about this, you know, yesterday's daily update, is the entire point of them is that they're completely decentralized. Mm. And and you want you want an example of a technology that by definition the incumbent dominant company is not going to pursue because it's against their business yeah. model and culture and everything. It's cryptocurrencies because they, they are completely upsetting to aggregation like they are the kryptonite to aggregation and so now there's a long way to go like the actual Mm -hmm. use case like there's a there's been a paradigm shift in the underlying technology the paradigm shift in the use case about where these actually make sense because like the like i you know the the mac was interesting to to technological people when it was os10 because it was based on 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 unix but it took the iPhone. It took a new use case to actually disrupt Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that use case is going to be for these, you know, beyond the sort of the store of value sort of idea. But the concept of there being a technology that is fundamentally at odds with these companies, it already exists. And, you know, I, I think it's mm-hmm. looking at history, it's more than reasonable to suspect at some point someone will figure out the killer app. It's going to come along and there's not going to be a single thing that Google or Facebook can do about it. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions about why aren't we seeing Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon getting into this? And like, that is exactly it. You look at the incentives. As for the timing, I think, um, that, that this is, this is, uh, it's like a perfect example of mirroring the internet for exactly this reason. Like all this excitement around a decentralized technology, the 1.0, like the 1.0 ideas are probably spot on. They're just the implementation is just going to take it a while to get there. So I, I don't think this is something that we're going to see knocking off these companies anytime soon, but the seeds of it definitely are there. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, Microsoft had a 20-year run on top, you, you know what right. I mean? And my, IBM had a 20-year run on top. And if we measure in a similar sort of way, like we probably have another seven to eight years of, yep. of Google and Facebook. And you know what? That that 
and that probably winds up. I mean, the cryptocurrencies are very much in the we had the dot com sort of bubble that that that's happened over the last year, and who knows if it's over. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a classic hype curve, right? Like everyone's mm-hmm. way way about it. It's going way mm-hmm. up. Wow, well, it's amazing. Now it's going to crash. We're going to go through the the trough of disillusionment, as it's called, and then people will actually figure out how this stuff is useful. But from a conceptual level, you can. It's already. You can clear. see it. Yeah, you can see that this is this is going to this is what's going to mess up the aggregators because it it, it is dispelling aggregation. It, it's it's spreading it all out such that there is no company. The entire point is there is no one company in the center. Mm, totally. Anyhow, I, I did want to get back though to the sort of the initial question that we raised, and to me the the, the most fascinating news from Google is the Chrome browser, which is mm. where Google basically. If you have different types of ads, that is that this advertising council, which supposedly Google strong armed the entire thing. So this is what Google says, but they're framing it as the advertising council. If you have like autoplay video that plays sound, everyone's favorite ad, right? Or you have a a pop up that 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 obscures content, or you have or do you have an interstitial or a uh, an ad that obscures a lot of content, or like the whole bottom yep. half of the page, for example. That if a site has those, they will get a warning. And if they don't fix it, then all ads on the site will be blocked by Chrome. It's, I mean, as a consumer, it's hard to say that's a bad thing. Like, I I mean, I know how to piece that together myself in terms of downloading ad blockers and installing plugins and whatever. And for people who are moderately technically advanced, it's not a big problem. And you also learn that there are certain circumstances where you need to turn it off. But I think about (laughs) my favorite example, like putting that on my mom's computer or whatever, and she needs to understand it all and know when to turn it on. And often it's too much, but building it into Chrome and then having websites conform to specs such that bad, basically you're driving out bad behavior off the web. Like that's I mean, how like how can you complain about that? Well, and you could say make a similar argument with 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 AMP. I mean, AMP is a little more complicated because there's there's more objections to it. But mm-hmm. but by and large, the idea that if you click on a link and it's going to be this hard to read page that takes forever to load, and there's all kinds of you know bad JavaScript running, and it's eating up your battery and all this sort of stuff. Like it, it, it if you need to forcing you know, publishers to use a much more reader friendly sort of format. I mean, what's so, what's so striking about both these examples is in a vacuum, all things considered, they're so clearly better for consumers, Mm. you know, at least in, in, in the short run and you layer on this sort of, you know, abuse that is possible via advertising, whether it be exploits via JavaScript or whatever it might be. And it's like, why why would you not want this? But then you back up and you realize the number one digital ad seller is blocking ads. Yeah. Se- seems, seems probably, problematic. Yeah. Ads that ads that they don't, they aren't selling probably. <laughs> well, well, so it's interesting. So what they do is they basically block ads on the entire site, good or bad ads. And so it's not like they're only blocking the bad ads. The idea is to force, like, basically kill off the site's entire monetization until they get rid of the bad ads. So presumably, if a site had Google ads on it, the Google ads would also be blocked mm-hmm. uh, because the site is basically, you know, just the entire all ads on the entire site are blocked. So mm. uh, you can read it that, or that's better or worse. <laughs> but this is the paradox. It, it it is. I mean, the the funny thing about it though is, and if you if you come at it through the lens in this instance of what one, it like it feels good. But at the same time, like if you compare AMP with um, Facebook's instant articles, which is their version of doing this, and Google was much more publisher friendly in the way that they approached it, whereas Facebook has been a bit less so in terms of like allowing. Allowing these, uh, allowing publishers to monetize and whether publishers have been able to monetize and like BuzzFeed is still the last man standing or one of the ones that are still supporting it. But even they've been vocal in, in criticizing the way Facebook's approached it. The very fact that you, you can't help but wonder whether the fact that Google's implementation is better is at least in, in part due to the fact that there is still some degree of competition between these two things. And like that, that from a meta point is like, something to keep in mind right like even though competition has been reduced to 
Like it's almost like a duopoly now in terms of online advertising. Like competition is still a necessary part, I feel like, of of driving better outcomes. And yeah, it's great that there's a centralized player here that is driving towards, yeah, this is making the web a little bit more the way it should be. But I, I don't know, just, just the way that it's playing out in that context is like, yeah, there are still instances where it's actually a really good thing that there's competition. And I wonder what, whether the world would be better yet if we had a little bit more of it. Yeah, that, that's a that, that's a good point. That's interesting. I mean, and just as a quick aside, there are lots of other problems with AMP, or you know, particularly a single company mm. dictating you know standards and right. There are security issues around the, the URLs and things like that. We get those. We're just so just we understand those and, and get those. Just just want to acknowledge that. But your point about the competition is interesting. And the, the other thing to remember though is is why did Google win? Yes, Google was more publisher friendly in many respects, but Google also said we have this section on top of search mm-hmm. that we it only has app articles and you basically if you're a publisher you have no choice like that th- being featured or high up in results makes such a difference in traffic that there was a very large stick attached to this effort that by the way facebook never ne- never yeah. leveraged facebook never said and never enacted that we will feature instant articles above regular links this is arguably even more like the Chrome one's a little closer, right? It's like I, I can okay, I can see the benefit, and yes, Google's blocking all ads, including their own ads. This one, mm. it's like Google is quite explicitly leveraging its dominant position in search to get this format adopted. And yes, it's an open source format, but Google totally controls it, and it, it, you'd see it's so much more problematic. At the same time, we've talked about uh, on this podcast just how screwed up the incentives are on the web. Like the, the fact that publishers allow these abusive ads and there's ad abuse and, and quick fraud and, and exploits that are loaded through JavaScript and just these terrible reading experiences and these pop-ups that are thrown at you. Why? Because the incentives are completely screwed up. The mm. ad networks are completely divorced from the publishers. The publishers making money is completely divorced from the readers. There is yeah. no proper alignment of incentives, which is a big reason why I'm such a supporter of the subscription model because if it, it realigns incentives, right? But the advertising incentive structure is completely screwed up. And if you think about that, like maybe it takes a big bad monopolist exercising Mm. their power to cut through all the crap. You know what this is reminding me of as you're talking? It's reminding me of a couple of episodes back when we were talking about health insurance, where another example where the incentives are all messed up and you have you have people removed, like the insurers removed from the providers and the patients and the, the incentives are all messed up. And exactly a very similar conclusion we reached back there, which is like, actually, maybe someone coming along, a, a not quite a monopolist in the healthcare space, but a big bad provider and the likes of Amazon bringing its might to bear, actually resulting in a better outcome for everybody. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. And by the way, we got some feedback like, oh, maybe Ben James should be aware there's healthcare systems outside of the US that don't work this way. Um, there are yeah given that you're not from the u.s and i don't live in the u.s <laughs> turns out we're aware um we but are. yeah anyhow yeah, uh, neither here nor there um but yeah it's, it's a fascinating analogy i mean not to say that web advertising is the same as health insurance and certainly sort of the there that moral sort of you know the aspect of the uh, of of healthcare is you know Yes, Absolutely. we don't want exploits on, on advertising, yeah. but it's, it's a different degree, to say the least. Um, totally. But the point that there is no – the pain doesn't flow properly, there, and the benefits don't flow properly from – there isn't a, a proper exchange of of value, whether that be monetary or, or whatever it might be. And there's all these intervening third-party players mm. that are tied in the middle, and everyone's negotiating each other and trying to gain leverage. It To that point, it is it, it really is an interesting analogy, and, and you think about it like – Amp has cleaned up a whole bunch of websites. It, yeah. re- it really has, and and it, this is this is the paradox. Like there are really are actual problems being addressed by Google leveraging its monopoly, mm-hmm. and it's leveraging its monopoly not in a we're constricting supply sort of way, although they are from the advertiser's perspective, but constricting it in a this is better for users sort of way, and that better for users just so happens to be better for Google. Well, isn't that isn't that dandy? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's fascinating to think. I mean, this is the 
like stepping back, this is the reason why you want a system to be designed well. And historically, the designer of systems, at least in some domains, has always been governments or independent standard setting bodies. And uh, what's interesting is that as these aggregators gain more and more control, they're the, going to be the ones that set these standards. And it's in many instances, having a poorly designed system is less preferable than almost having a monopolist that is concerned about demand coming along and laying down some laws. Um, yeah, the question- I'm going to push back on the governments and standards bodies are great standard setters i the 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 entire top-down design of systems by governments has been tried uh and it hasn't worked very well i think history i would tend to argue that history shows that dynamic uh evolving flexible systems are that develop organically like i I, i'm a firm believer that complex systems evolve they they don't Mm. they are not designed and that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that all evolved systems are great systems, but I don't think top down is is. I'm just, I mean, sorry, I'm just, I, 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 I can't you, I can't you, let that point no, stand. No, no, no. But you know, I agree with you. What I had in mind actually was like the ability for governments to to figure out a system like healthcare and how when it's managed properly, particularly in instances where it naturally lends itself to monopolies, like having governments intervene is actually a good a good idea. If you yes, think yes. about and, the standards- and, and as we noted previously, like, I I think I agree with you. I mean, we're, the uh, yeah, yeah. there is a role for regulation. There's a role for government, and yeah, it, yeah, with the healthcare thing, we won't get into that kind of worms again. But I think no, we're, no, we're no. Also on the same page. Yeah, and and the standard setting, like you think about the web historically, there there were standard setting bodies like that would that would determine how things like email work, for example, and so on and so forth. And n- now the role of that seems to be less and less, and it's these organizations, these massive aggregators that are playing that role. And compared to a poorly designed system, actually having an aggregator design the system, and because they're sensitive to demand, they're designing a system that. That is that is beneficial to consumers and oh just by the way we're ha- happening to financially benefit from it uh, it's probably not the worst place to be it's certainly better than what you described in terms of advertising before google decided to do stuff like this right it's, i don't know it's interesting i mean I, to me web standards bodies have always been like five years behind and 50 degrees off i mean there's mm. where a lot of it is codifying what has already actually been mm-hmm. done and you know you think about something like uh like like the entire idea of interactive Activity in a web page was mm-hmm. actually came from Microsoft, which they were trying to leverage it to, to lock other people out. <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't have come from a standards body. Like no one had that idea. Like Microsoft did it in the pursuit of a of a profit goal where we wanted we want to try to get people to use Internet Explorer and only use Internet Explorer. You know, embrace extend extinguish as it were, mm-hmm. and it actually ended up unlocking. Microsoft actually created the conditions for their disruption in that this entire world of web apps actually came from Microsoft. And so, I, it, so it's fascinating that you frame it that way because i guess i i really tend to have a much more bottom up view of mm. this and which in it actually makes me perhaps and this is a fl- you know a flip and roll more uncomfortable with google doing this because mm. i'm just innately suspicious of top-down solutions even if it is kind of a morass like i really need to be convinced that having it come down from on high that this is the way it's going to be, whether it be government, whether it be Google, whether it be Microsoft, whether it be any sort of centralized entity that thinks it knows best. I I just don't have that much faith. Google might have lots of smart people. They don't have all the smart people in the world. And I would rather, you know, having a world where lots of ideas come along. And again, this is why I am like in this sort of narrow sort of spaces, again, narrow Relatively speaking, I, I do think antitrust action against Google, there is a very, very strong case for it against these companies like Yelp, against these companies like TripAdvisor or the mm. Foundum, like the 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 company at, at the root of the of the EU lawsuit, because I think there is lots of ideas that are constrained by Google. And yeah. so the I, I also believe that it, it's also it, it's its own sort of arena and the disruptive arena is a separate one entirely. If I can kind of, yeah, sort no, of tie all these things into one one big boat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I agree with you on the antitrust and things are being squashed, but I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with you in that this is a flip and roll because like, aren't I always the one that's advocating for the top down stuff? And you're always the one like, Hey, get <laughs> well, that, your hands off. Well, that's true. But like, in some respects, like I, I, it, it, it shows that neither of us are like, neither of us are 
what's the word? Um, dogmatic. Yeah, neither is our dogmatic, like re- regulation, for example, right? I mean, yeah. arguably, I'm more in favor of a regulatory response to this than you are. But yeah, it probably comes back to, at the end, everything goes back to like a much more core, deep-rooted sort of sense of philosophy. And I think you know, <laughs> I enjoy these conversations because we tend to get down to that level instead of get stuck right. on, oh, it must always be pro-regulation or anti-regulation or yeah, whatever right. it might be. Exactly. Anyhow, uh, we were a bit we were a bit all over the place. Basically, this podcast was a recreation of my writing processes this week, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is why the article came out like five hours late. It was like half an article. Um, I because there's so many pieces to this. You know what I mean? Like, there's the mm. like, is this good or bad? Like, how does this happen? There's the whole idea of like, why was instant articles? Why does it seem to be of failure relative to AMP? The, to me, that's mm. really interesting. Uh, this idea of like of crypto networks that being sort of the future. Like, all this stuff is it's all tied together in a way. But it's almost like five or six different distinct articles that I that I could write, and yeah. I basically kind of wrote all of them, and then had to had to had to distill it down to a, a, a much more narrow one for for. Article, but anyhow, you are now getting a, a picture of that process via 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 your ears, as it were. And and you say you don't write books. It sounded like this week's was a book unto itself. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That is interesting. Anyhow, our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent. Again, go to WordPress.com slash Exponent and get 15% off your order. And I will talk to you next week and hopefully I'll be more organized. Sounds good, mate. Have a good one. All right, bye-bye.